In a world where podcasting is the only thing that matters, two sisters who have very little reselling experience decide to make a podcast about reselling. Who will step forward with reselling tips and interviews with some of the greatest resellers the world has ever seen? We are the Thrifter Sisters. Well, hey there, listener. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Thrifter Sisters. We are your comedy podcast all about reselling. And today we have a very special episode and a very special guest. I'm Lindsay. That's where Lacey normally would pop in, but she could not be here today. She is super bummed. Um, I'll leave that up to her if she wants to share why she could not be here or not today. Um, But do not worry because I have an amazing guest lined up and I am so excited for today's recording. She is going to be popping on my screen any minute now. I have on Misty from the Butterfly Closet. She is a reseller, but... Today, we are not talking reselling content. She is coming on for our very spooky Halloween episode, and I will let her introduce what she's going to talk about. If you follow Misty on Instagram, you know that she does Murder Monday. She goes live on Mondays, and she goes over a true crime case. She, what did she call herself the other day on Instagram? She said something like, I am a, not like a rookie, but like, anyway. I think she's an expert true crime person. She knows a lot of stuff and a lot of lingo. And anytime true crime stuff comes up in the news, she's always the first person. I'm like, oh my God. Like when Adnan got released, I like messaged her immediately. Come on, Adnan. So, so excited to have her on. And she is going to share a murder story with us today for Halloween. A spooky. It's, It's not reselling related, but it's like clothing industry related. So you'll see. You'll see. All right. So not a lot to talk about before since Lacey's not here. I don't know who's going to open the door for Misty today. I guess I'll have to do it. I'll try. But first, before we get to that part, if you could do us a favor, head over to Instagram, follow us, engage with our content, Thrifter Sisters Pod. It's a real good time over there. I enjoy creating that content for you. And I also love that I get to have, um, you know, real intimate conversations with you in the DMs. It makes us feel very connected, doesn't it? I love it. Love it. Loving that for us. Um, Another way you can support us is giving us a rating on Spotify or a rating and review over on Apple Podcast. Not only does it warm our cold, dead hearts, it helps our podcast get heard and seen by more people. And lastly, if you love what you see here, okay, wait a minute, back up. If you Love what you hear here. (laughs) We got more for you. We got bonus content over on our Patreon. We've launched a little over a month ago. And every month you get three to four bonus episodes. Bonus episodes with me and Lacey. And not only that, you get one mastermind phone call a month. We get on. We talk anything we want to talk about. Reselling related-ish. I mean, maybe we'll talk about soup one day because I love soup and I thrive during soup season. We probably won't though, but maybe we'll share soup recipes on the Patreon. I don't know. I keep calling for it. No one really seems to be responding. I 
feel like we're really missing an opportunity there. But anyway, regardless, if you would like more of us, you can join our Patreon for $5 a month. I have my consignment spreadsheet over there. And uh, you get to be a part of our close friends on Instagram, which it's real cozy in there. Okay. Now, took care of all that business. I am going to do my best, best attempt at opening the door for Misty. Okay. Here we go. It's a creaky, creepy door because this is like our murder Halloween episode, obviously. Okay. Oh, God, Misty, there she is. Okay, she's coming on into the studio. Everybody, buckle in, grab onto your buns, maybe grab a blanket to cozy up with. You might not want to watch, listen to this one alone because it might get a little, ooh, let's do trigger warnings for violence and murder. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. Hi, Misty. Hello. I'm so excited you're here. Lacey's such a bum. Such, I mean, she's not a bum. She's so bummed she's not here. I know. It sucks. Okay, here we go. All right, listener, we have something so special in store for you today. We, Lacey and I love Halloween. We did two Halloween episodes last year. And so I actually had this in the back of my mind ever since I've gotten to know our guests on Instagram. And I asked her a couple of months ago if she'd be interested in coming on and doing a Halloween episode for us because she's way better at at murder storytelling than we are. So today in the studio, we have Misty from, are you the butterfly closet? Is that? Yes. Yes. Misty, the butterfly closet. And you know her, she's a reseller. She resells her freaking face off, but she also, (laughs) (laughs) but she also does murder Mondays on Instagram. And she is here to cover a true crime murder story that involves the fashion industry kind of. It does. It does. It does. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And so tell listener, your Instagram is, it's the butterfly closet underscore. Is that it right? Is. Yes. And, and then do you still have your murder Instagram account? I do. So I made a separate account because I noticed that anytime I used a certain language on Instagram involving true crime, my reselling account was being shadow banned. And so I did that. I, I'm like back and forth with it. I I have people, most of my people on the Murder Monday Instagram page are already on my Butterfly Closet page. So I may just go back to that for Murder Monday and let Instagram do what it wants to do. But anytime you use the words, you know, murder or, you know, anything that's SA or anything like that, they will flag your account. So that's what I was having trouble with. Oh, okay. So this is good information for when I am creating content for this episode. So you think I should not put the word murder in the post? <laughs> I think you'll be fine um, as a on a podcast because there's so many true crime. For some reason, Instagram's just weird. Even YouTube's a little iffy, but um, the word murder is okay sometimes, but sometimes it's flagged on Instagram. It's so strange. Okay. I'll get creative. I'll see what I can come up with that maybe it will hopefully keep me away from any sort of shadowy situation. (laughs) Yeah. I usually use in the word murder, I usually use the knife emoji just to kind of break it up. Okay. That's, I think has saved me sometimes, but it's Instagram's weird. (laughs) I I just thought you were doing that because it looked cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, before we get started, so we're actually not going to be talking about reselling today, but yeah, Misty does do reselling. She does a ton of consignment work or just also like you were saying, people just donate stuff to you because they're like, I'd rather donate to you than to Goodwill. Yeah. So that started with my kind of with my consignment. They, some people were like, I don't really want to mess with consignment, but can I bring you my stuff? And, you know, it goes on and off if you have something good or not, but I always go through it and sometimes I have nice things. So, yeah. Yeah. And then just go drop off the rest. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, um, and so do you do any thrifting or anything for your business or you just, I do. Okay. You, so you're, you do a combination. Yes, I do. And here's what is cool. Um, I mean, there's a lot of cool things about Misty, but um, her and I had been connected on Instagram for, I don't know, some sort of length of time that I don't remember before we realized we live fairly close to one another. Yeah. Within an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're about an hour apart and her, uh, one of her children goes to school here in the town where I live. She does. So we're, uh, we're, so we're. Cool. We're a connected, a connected little duo here somehow when we didn't even know it for a while, which is cool. And, and, you know, something tells me we're going to, we're going to meet in person one day. Yeah. Because, yeah. We definitely have to. Yeah. 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 We're going to, we're going to do a coffee date when she comes in to visit her kiddo yep. at some point, you know, life's busy, but we're going to make it happen. We have to make it happen. We're yeah. too close to not make it happen. I know. And we'll get Lacey involved too. We're going to be like, yes, Listen, for sure. You're, yeah. I coming, you're coming in on this. <laughs> All right, Misty. What are you talking about today? All right. So for this spooky season, I thought it would be nice to incorporate a true crime case that is um, kind of close to to us even, but um, also close to the reselling community just because it does involve Lululemon. And as we all know, we should all know the brand Lululemon, but <laughs> they have they um, they have brick and mortar stores all over. Um, and usually, we don't have any here in my little town, but I know there's one in yours. Mm-hmm. And um, usually, it's in you know kind of like a, a nicer area. And this one, um, I'm bringing you from Bethesda, Maryland. And this case is just has twists and turns and just a disclaimer to anyone. Of course, we're going to talk about, you know, lots of things here, including um, assault and talk of SA and um, murder. So (laughs) if you don't like those things, just keep it, keeping you, keeping you updated here. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait until next week. And we have just a regular, normal (laughs) reseller interview next (laughs) week. Yeah. So when I contacted Misty about, um, asking if she'd be interested in doing this. And I was like, you pick the case, you let me know what you want to do. And she brought this one up as one of the options. I'm like, oh my God, yes, absolutely do this one. Because when this happened, I lived in Tacoma, Maryland, which is 20 minutes. I like, I used to work in Bethesda and where I worked was literally walking distance to this Lululemon store. This was my Lululemon where I used to shop. It was right next to the Apple store, which we hear during the case, you know, there's, there's some mm-hmm. parts of the story that are from this. Um, and so you know, we were all really, all of us, you know, I worked in the fitness industry at the time. So all of us were wearing Lululemon. We would all get discounts at the Lululemon store for being fitness professionals. And I remember us, we were at work, all of uh, me and my, all of my fitness work besties. And we were all just like, this is so unreal. Like this is happening basically right. When you've been in the store, it kind of definitely brings it, I feel like more 
close oh, to God. home. And then when they reopened it, like I just couldn't bring myself to go in there for so, oh. so long. And honestly, I was trying to think about it because this was during the time when I was having children. They were like babies. I may not have ever gone back in there. It was just real creepy. I don't blame you. And just uh, um, another thing, if you Google this story, just be, you know, if you want to see, you can see plenty of images. There are on Google, there's images that I don't know that they should be there. But um, if you're into that kind of thing, um, you can kind of see as I'm going into detail here. Um, what kind of what the crime scene looked like and just how atrocious this murder was. So I will just get right into it here. All right. So we are and, on and the I will interject with, you know, questions or yes, comedy absolutely. throughout, you know, just whatever I got. <laughs> yes, please do, because otherwise I feel like I'm just talking to myself here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation between two true crime connoisseurs. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So on the morning of March twelfth, um, two thousand eleven, Rachel Ortley arrived at the Lululemon store she managed. So Rachel is the manager in Bethesda, Maryland. And um This area is a more upscale, wealthy, richy area. Um, It was located, like you said, between the Apple store and then a stationery store on the other side. So Rachel was scheduled to open the store, as most managers are in charge of that morning. She expected to unlock the door, you know, turn on some lights, maybe count some money, just get the day started for selling all the Lululemon stuff. So when she gets to work, immediately she noticed that the door was cracked open. It had not been completely closed and it was not locked. So red flag already. She's like, what's going on? She peeks in, opens it slightly more, and it looks like the store has been vandalized as if someone has broken in and robbed the place. So she walks in a little bit more, which is not something I would ever do, but gosh, I know she walks in. You are supposed to leave that store immediately and call 911. Yes. Anything is amiss. Like don't, don't don't put yourself in there. Go. No, no, no. Who knows if the perpetrator's still in there. Right. So yeah, you have no idea what's what you're walking into. She, she walks a little bit further into the store and she sounds, it sounds like she's starting to hear like a moan coming from the back. Um, as if someone is back there, maybe hurt or injured. And she, um, at this point, she's alarmed, <laughs> as she should be. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes out, of, she runs out of the store. She gets on the phone with 911. She's frantic outside. And um, there's a the Apple store, which was next door, there was a long line at the Apple store. And it was because this day they were re- releasing the iPad 2. If that's not a throwback for you, we're in like what iPad twenty five. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this was eleven years ago. Yeah, I was. Right. I was extraordinarily pregnant. Nope, I wasn't extraordinarily. I was pregnant. I was pregnant. I remember these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she runs out. She's on the phone. She's frantic. She doesn't really know what's going on. And there's a man that's waiting in the line of the Apple, um, waiting to get his iPad too. His name is Ryan. And he notices how frantic Rachel is. And he's like, what's wrong? Can I help you? And she said, I think my store has been broken into. I think there's somebody in the back. Um, she's like, did you see anyone go in while you've been waiting in the line? And um, he said, I've been waiting here for two hours. I have not seen anything. Um, and so she's like, well, 
I went in, it looks like it's been broken into, like I said, I heard something in the back. I'm not sure what I heard. And he says, well, do you want me to go check it out for you? Oh my God. No, no, call the authorities. They are doing everything they should not do. Hey, there could be a crime scene in here. Do you want to go in and contaminate it a little bit more? Absolutely. So Ryan enters and he walks towards the back. He sees the same thing. There's a TV smashed on the ground. There's broken glass. There's clothes scattered, scattered everywhere. There's, he sees at this point, he gets to the back a little bit and he starts to see blood staining the walls on the counter, there's blood on clothes. There's just so much blood in this crime scene. Like I can't even explain to you guys how much blood there was just so much. And so he continues as he should not, but he he notices a pool of blood seeping under a door. So he like he should not tries to open the door, but he it's jammed. He can't get it open. Um, and that's because it was jammed by 30-year-old Jaina Murray's lifeless body. So here's our victim. Um, Jana was, she was in this room, you know, kind of wedged between the door and the wall so the door wouldn't open. She had a toolbox on her shoulder. Her head was cut open wide with a gash. Um, the back of her pants had been cut open um, as if it was done with like a knife or something. He heads back to the front once he sees this, because obviously he knows something terrible has happened. Um, But on his way, he notices another body laying in the employee bathroom. Um, This is a a girl. Her legs and arms have been bound with zip ties, and there's a rock next to her head. Her face was bloody. Her socks were stained with blood. And on the crotch to her black Lululemon yoga pants had been also torn or cut open. This was our victim that was moaning. Um, And this is 28-year-old Brittany Norwood. Both of these women are employees of Lululemon. So um, Jana was the shift manager and Brittany was a sales associate. So essentially Jana was Brittany's supervisor on the shift. Um, So let's talk about who Jana was, who is our deceased victim at this time. Um, She's a world traveler. She's fluent in Spanish. She is two months away from receiving her two master's diplomas from John Hopkins University. This this girl was a go-getter. She was adventurous. She had visited all of the continents except for Antarctica. She loved scuba diving, salsa dancing, and skydiving. I mean, she really lived life to its fullest, yeah. and she was hoping to work at corporate Lululemon once she graduated. Yeah, Just, you know, young women like that, like, I mean, look at all of that cool shit she'd already done. Like, you know, she had like such a bright future ahead of her. Like, she was yes. going to do, she was going to do big things. She was. She absolutely was. She had already done so much, but just someone yeah. with that kind of drive and motivation, you know that they're going to do well in life. Yeah. I mean, just hearing like, because that's an unusual combination of things, right? Like you don't meet people that often that have been to all the continents. You're like right. skydiving. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I assume like she just was like one of those people that are just, you just are like drawn to them. She probably yes. was just. Yes. Very charismatic. This contagious smile. I mean, if you look at her in pictures, I mean, she's just absolutely beautiful and, um, you know, was 
one of those, you know, it's cliche to say, but she literally would light up a room when she came in. People would turn to look at her. Here, so. Here's what I know from listening to true crime, because I listen to tons of true crime podcasts. Don't be a person that lights up a room, guys, because you're going to get real killed. You're going to just get murdered and they're going to do a podcast about you. Be real dull. Just yeah. really dim your light because everybody who gets murdered can light up a room, apparently. It's always a characteristic, right? It is, ah, she was a real, she was a real shining bright light. Well, she did this to herself. Just kidding. We're not victim blaming. No, 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 never, never, never. (laughs) Okay. And so then we have, you know, Brittany, who is our, she's still alive. Um, She had recently transferred to this Lululemon store from a Georgetown location. Uh, Brittany grew up in Washington state and was one of nine siblings. She was kind of in the middle of nine siblings, very large family. Her family was a very successful family. Her brother's, um, were engineers, doctors. Her sister was a doctor. Brittany was very athletic. She was a college soccer star. She had dreams of becoming a personal trainer and opening her own gym. And she actually had plans to soon be leaving the Lulu Women's store because she was getting a job at one of the gyms that's um, kind of in that area. I forget what the gym is called, but it's um, apparently it was very hard to get hired there. And she was I, I'm trying to think. 2011. Hold on. It was Equinox. Yes, that's what it was. Equinox yeah. had just opened uh, probably a year or two, maybe at most, right there in Bethesda. I was good. So this is, I wanted to bring this up about Bethesda. It's one of, yeah, it's a very, um, uh, th- I'm not trying to use the word rich, but it's a very wealthy area mm-hmm. for sure. There's, you know, it's an old, so DMV, that's DC, Maryland, Virginia, like all right there. There's like a kind of a little triangle where you can get to like our, you know, Northern Virginia, parts of Maryland and DC. Like it's all kind of this interchangeable small area. You're going to sit in traffic for an hour to get back and forth, but they're like in proximity. It's very close. This little kind of area that we were always in. And Bethesda is a very affluent, that is the word, a very affluent area. Um, when John moved to, he lived in Bethesda when he first moved there um, 20, over 20 years ago. Like the homes were older, but it, it, and nice and big, but not like what it is now. Now it is like tons of money has been poured into that area. Like the stores are all like, you know, really not, it's, it's a shopping center that's very, very nice. We actually had a friend in the Bethesda parking, one of the Bethesda parking garages back around when John first moved there 20 years ago, who got freaking stabbed in the stomach and robbed. He almost died. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They're in the, so all that to say, it is a very nice area. And these women that were there, like everybody involved in this are all from like affluent families, it seems like. But the fear at the time was like, oh, because, because, it is bordered with like very low economic areas as well. This is a very nice high, you know, high end, high scale little shopping area, but you you go five minutes one way and you're going to come into some real low income areas. Exactly. You take the wrong turn, even in Baltimore, you take the wrong turn and you can be in some real trouble. So, I've, oh my gosh, I've gotten into some, oh, I've done that in Baltimore. Yeah. Scary, scary. <laughs> it is. Police and paramedics arrive on the scene really quickly, um, and Brittany was taken to the hospital while police and crime scene investigators start to process the scene. And obviously, this scene is going to take a very long time to process. There is so many things that 
really just don't make sense. But then there's also just a lot to process because of how much blood was shed. Um, oh, so and Ryan came in and contaminated the whole know, damn right? scene with his big old stupid feet and handprints. <laughs> DNA hair follicles falling. Yeah, stupid dummy. <laughs> so over the course of that day, here is what they were able to put together. Brittany and Jaina had been the only employees closing the store the night before. Jaina set the alarm at 945 and locks the store. We have that like confirmed and recorded. Brittany heads towards the metro station to catch her ride and Jaina towards her car that was parked in the parking lot. Three minutes after setting the alarm, Jaina makes a call to another store employee. We have record of that. And then she calls Rachel, the store manager. They spoke for several minutes. And then meanwhile, Brittany notices that she has forgotten her wallet um, and that at the store that has her Metro card in it. So she's going to have to go back to the store to get her wallet because she can't get on the Metro without her card. And she can't get back in the store without Jaina opening it. So um, she doesn't have Jaina's number for whatever reason. She calls another coworker to get her number and then calls her and says, hey, you know, I, I have to get back in to get my wallet. I need my Metro card. So they both meet back and um, she lets her into the store. They walk into the store. Um, Jaina deactivates the alarm, leaves the door open, um, barely turning on any lights because Brittany's just going to run in, grab her wallet, run back out, and they're going to go their separate ways. So the following here that I'm going to tell you is what Brittany, because she's our only witness at this point. This is Brittany's account of what happened. Two masked men, one is six foot approximately, um, and the other one is a good bit shorter. She estimates five foot two, uh, both with black clothing and gloves. They enter the store behind them. The taller man drags Jaina to the back of the store when the shorter one takes Brittany to um, open three small safes at the front of the store. Once he had the money, he moved Brittany to the back of the store, sexually assaulted her, hit her over the head with the rock. And she says after she got hit with the rock, she can't remember anything else. That's Brittany's version of events. And again, she's our only witness. So we have to take that and start picking apart the evidence and trying to match her story to the evidence. This was real scary at this yeah. point, like in real life times, like this was... Mm -hmm. It was very upsetting and scary. Yeah. The medical examiner finds that Jaina had over 331 wounds by five different objects. These were all objects that were found in the store. And she had rope burns on her throat, her chin. Um, she was hit with a hammer and cut with a box cutter. So these perpetrators supposedly broke into the store with a weapon because they're using things they found in the store. Brittany had more superficial wounds. Um, her biggest wound being on her head, the police interviewed the Apple store employees. Um, and this is where this just drives me nuts. No. So they, they interview the, the Apple employees and they're like, well, we actually did hear something over there last night, but we just assumed that it was employee drama. We heard two girls yelling at each other, and we just thought it was just drama. They're arguing about something. So, you know, we have so, this. So keep in mind, like, there, there's the launch of this um, iPad 2 that's happening that day, uh, you know, that the body bodies discovered. So 
the I'm guessing the Apple staff, they're over there like getting prepped because that's a right. big deal. Anytime Apple launches a new product, just, you know, I don't know, just make a welfare check. Just a real simple phone call. Exactly. And and this happens, unfortunately, a lot in true crime. I, I think now that true crime has become a little more prevalent and people are actually listening and understanding cases, I think it's a little bit, hopefully it's a little bit better, but it's called the bystander effect where, you know, you think you hear something, but our mind doesn't want us doesn't want to let us go there that it could be something bad. So you automatically fill in with what it could be. So, oh, they're just arguing. There's just girls having drama. Um, This could do to, you know, the area again, low crime rate. It's a false sense of security. We think, oh, that could never happen here. Can never happen to us. So this is a nice area. Crime doesn't come into this. Yes. Crime comes in a nice, it goes everywhere. Not into the Lululemon store. That would never happen. Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't remember what we were talking about, but Missy and I were DMing the other day and it's like, our minds work the complete opposite. We're like the smallest sound. Well, clearly a murderer is breaking into my house. Do you remember what that was we were talking about the other day? Uh, We were talking about something. I think it was uh, my local case of the guy that was on the loose and, or or I had posted something about um, when you're driving down the road, do you, do you ever think about who could be tied up in a basement somewhere? That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> and I, and I, I wrote her and I was like, oh, yeah, I think that all the time. I think about how many murders have I walked by in my life. I think about like if I'm out for like a walk or a bike ride, I'm like, there could be there could be people chained up in the basements and I'm walking by the house. I would never even know these poor exactly. people. And, and, and <laughs> the fact of the matter is there could be and there may be. I, I know. Just like That's- just like that case in Ohio. Listen, I'll try to keep this from going off the rails too much. That case in Ohio where all those women had been kept in that man's home for yes. freaking years. And one day he just was gone and one of them got unchained and was like banging on the door trying to get out. And a neighbor heard. He was like, why do I hear a woman screaming? There's no women that live in that house. And they'd been in there for like years and years and years, like three of them. Yeah. And one had had his child. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. I mean, a lot of people walked by that house in all those years. A lot of people where there was just absolute terror going on inside. And had no idea. Basically, people don't go to sleep. Don't trust (laughs) anyone. Just just believe the worst is happening and you will live a happy life. A happy, anxious life. You will no, but seriously, if you if you if you see something, you hear something, say something because you just never know. A welfare check never hurts anybody. No, not uh-huh. at all. All right. So the police at this point um, are obviously continuing to interview Brittany. She's again our only witness, um, but her story just wasn't really adding up. Um, and this case, as you'll see as we finish it up here, has plenty of twists and turns. So first of all, my question was when I was looking at this case was, okay, let me see the cameras on the inside. That'll tell us everything we need to know. But sadly, even in 2011, there were no interior cameras. It doesn't matter. They wouldn't be working anyway. That's another thing I've learned That's from true crime. Thing. Yep. Or Just they're so the grainy. Just yeah. save the footage. Why does nobody save me the footage? <laughs> So the police asked her, you know, why, why did they kill one of you and not the other? And she said that she was told by the perpetrators that because she was more fun to play around with. She said after hours of torture, they eventually just left. 
So our evidence here, we do have some bloody shoe prints that were tracked all over the store. There was a smaller size, like a seven and a half and a large men's size 14. But the tracks stopped at the door as if they had taken off the shoes before they left. So they're all over the Lululemon store. And then all of a sudden at the door, the shoe prints stop. One sole of the larger shoe had been cleaned off at the bathroom sink. For whatever reason, maybe they're trying to get rid of the blood on the bottom, but there's still obviously prints all over the floor. The shoe prints of the shoe that was found at the bathroom sink matched the soles perfectly. Um, but why police are like, why would they leave their shoes? This is just so puzzling. Um, and to come to find out the shoes actually belonged to the Lululemon store. So they had them in there as like part of the setup for like the, their mannequin display. And, um, again, so our perpetrators are using stuff found in the store. We also found out that Jaina's car had also been moved because she had just parked really quickly in front of the store to run in. She was just going to run in and let her get her wallet. Um, and it had been moved three blocks away. Surveillance outside catches two men fitting the height description by Brittany walking by the store in all black with a backpack. Brittany was seen moving the car, which she said she says the killers made her move it and then come back. Once we heard this in the police in, uh, interview with her, their eyebrows were completely raised. They were like, so why didn't you just get away? Why didn't you run away? If Why didn't you take her car and flee? Why so, did you come back? So wait, there, there was video footage of her going out and moving the car? Yes. Just her, just her by herself? Just her. But yeah. we also have this video footage that catches two men that does fit this um, description. Yeah. And so police bring these guys in, they interview them, and they actually clear them because they had just gotten off work. They worked at a local restaurant. So they had a, you know, a clear alibi. They're not seen on surveillance going into the store. They're just walking by. Yeah. We also had a homeless guy who was kind of known to be violent in the area. He was also questioned and released. So police at this point are stuck. They just, you know, they've, their case is running out of leads here. They have all this evidence, but they don't have anything that matches it. So they go back and they start interviewing Brittany again. And her story changes. And that's always a red flag. Mm -hmm. And her story not only changes, but it doesn't really add up the way it should based on the evidence that they've collected. So they go back to the phone call that Jaina made the night before and they question Rachel. Um, and they're like, what was this call about? And she said, well, she called me to let me know. So at the end of, and I guess this is, I've never worked in a retail store, but I guess this is what would happen. Um, at the end of the shift, you do like a bag check to make sure that one or the other has not stolen anything out of the store. So they're doing the bag check and Jaina does find a pair of Lululemon leggings in Brittany's purse. She questions her. She says, do you have the receipt? And she said um, that an employee had checked her out um, and that she had lost the receipt. So she's at this point questioning um, if Brittany has stolen these leggings and just putting them in her purse. So as I mean, she that's is nuts. Like she knew that she was going to get bag checked. They do it every exactly, day. Exactly. Exactly. This is not new. No. And so after this, um, Jaina is obligated to let the store manager know that if there's a potential theft here. 
So investigators at this point have a strong suspicion that Brittany at least knew the attackers or was in on it. There was only one theory that fit all the evidence. Um, The shoe prints never left the store because the killer never left the store. Brittany had killed Jaina single-handedly within an hour of getting her back to the store and then spent the next nine hours devising a plan to cover up the crime. All in fear that she would be caught stealing a pair of Lululemon leggings and possibly losing her upcoming job and disappointing her family. Oh my God. This, so Brittany wasn't kind of un, un, unknown to Jaina, but Brittany, this is not her first time stealing. During her time playing in college, she was eventually kicked off the team and lost her scholarship actually for. So she was just completely out of the school. She would many times steal her teammates' belongings from their lockers. And at first it was just kind of this thing where the teammates were like, you know, all every time something comes missing, Brittany has been here. You know, they're starting to put together the clues. And um, eventually they are able to pinpoint that it is her. For a long time, she got away with it. Her coach, this girl was a really good D1 soccer player. I mean, and she was on a full scholarship. So she, she, you know, they weren't just going to let her get off the team easily, but after so many complaints and so many times of her stealing, they, you know, their hands were tied at that point. She eventually had to get kicked off. Do you know what school she she was at? Do you know where she was? I don't. um, I mean, this is like, this is a woman who comes from a very successful family to be a collegiate athlete. That's a big deal. Anyway, to be at a D one school, that's like, yes. On a full scholarship. Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh my God. You just messed it all up. Um, and then once, you know, people had started talking about her after this whole situation had happened. Um, she had babysitting jobs where things would go missing. Her friends accused her of stealing their stuff when they were, you know, in high school, Um, and actually she had recently transferred stores due to suspicion of stealing. Oh my gosh. Which I think is, you know, Lululemon must've dropped the ball there because, you know, she was, I don't know what that means. Suspicion of stealing. Maybe they didn't have actual evidence and people were blaming her. And she was like, I don't want to work in this hostile environment, but, um, they couldn't, and they ended up, couldn't prove anything with her. Um, but at that store, it was what was missing was money out of the register each time. So that's why she had came to the store and transferred. And then just sadly her behavior, I mean, as most behavior does with true crime and, you know, these killers, it, it escalates and it did, it went from, you know, petty theft and then it went to stealing money out of a till. And then it came to this. And then she just felt like, I guess she felt like her hands were tied and she was backed against the wall and she didn't have anything to do. But the, the murder itself was just so over the top and so gruesome. I mean, 331 times is overkill. And not only that, but to pick up different objects and use different objects to bludgeon someone to death, there was blood spatter like six feet high on the wall. I mean, just absolutely a mess there. And like you said, the Lululemon store tried to reopen after this, but eventually it just closed because I don't know, that's bad juju, I think, but (laughs) I would not want to reopen a store. I I mean, you know, there's probably, I'm not the only one who was like, Oh, 
I don't know. It just felt almost disrespectful for me. Like it almost felt disrespectful to go in there. That's yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't, could not imagine. I mean, this is just such a senseless murder that, and that's quite an escalation as well to go from money theft, you know, pair leggings to just like, I, you know, we'll never know because I'm sure they've questioned her. I'm sure she's given some sort of answer, but when she left the store that she obviously got wound up in her head really quickly and then like devised this plan to like get her to turn around and come back into the store. Like was her plan, was it to threaten her? Was it to, ki- was it to kill her? Was she like, I'm going to just fucking kill her. Like, you right. know. Right. What was it? Because what was, and, and investigators think that it was kind of like in the heat of the moment, like she maybe brought her back in so that she could try to convince her that she had not stole them. And that's maybe why the Apple employees heard arguing because mm-hmm. maybe Jaina was like, um, you stole them. There's nothing we can do. I have to report you. I mean, there's at this point, my hands are tied. That's my job. Yeah. And then she just wouldn't take that for an answer and just went bonkers and, you know, picked up whatever was in her eyesight and started. But there was there. She did not go down without a fight at first because this store was absolutely trash. I mean, there was a TV on the ground and there was clothes everywhere. There was obviously a huge struggle. Um, and, and I, you know, here's another thing I don't understand. Again, it's like that bystander effect. Like, the win- Lululemon windows, you can see through them into the store. Now, obviously, where her body was found was in the back room. But like you said, the front of the store was trashed as well. So whatever was happening, there was stuff going on in the front of the store. They're big, huge, you know, storefront windows. And while it was, you know, e- you know, nighttime and they had closed. So I don't I don't know what time at night all this was happening. It was like after not after nine forty five, so we're, we're probably into ten eleven o'clock. But this this even though like the retail stores were closed, this is an area that has bars, restaurants. Like it is a, you know, people are up and down those sidewalks. I cannot believe nothing no was witnessed anything. through those storefront right. windows. Like people just walking by. Like what what what's going on in there? Like I just cannot believe it. It's yeah, you're right. The windows are really huge in this store. So yeah. I don't know. I just, the fact that it was all over a pair of Lululemon leggings, I just can't comprehend that. And just, just take the loss. I mean, just take the L you gotten caught and you're not, it's not like this is, you're going to go to jail for this. You're going to, you're going to be reprimanded. You're going to be fired. And then, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to eat that. I mean, it's just, there's no other way around it. You were caught pretty much red handed. And then just to be like, okay, well I was caught. So now I'm going to kill her. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously this is not something any of us can comprehend because there is clearly some kind of mental illness happening here going all the way back. And who knows what, you know, was the root of all that. I'm sure it stemmed from some incident in her life, some sort of trauma in her life, who knows, but something like, happened to her that made her she didn't need to be stealing things like she had access to anything she needed or wanted coming from the family that she came from being a d1 athlete like right and that i mean that comes from some kind of compulsive behavior that's just i don't know but yes the fact not only that but the fact that she 
harmed herself to try to make it look like she was also a victim. She cut her pants to make it look like she had been assaulted and hit herself in the head with this rock and tied herself with these zip ties. I mean, it's just, and then lays there and waits (laughs) for someone to come find them. Yeah. I just, you're laying in the room next to where you have just bludgeoned someone to death for hours. Well, and, and the fact that she was like, she threw in the sexual assault, like they're going to do a rape kit on you. They're exactly. going to see that there are no signs of an assault. It's just, yeah, she, she thought she thought it through. And then I think her, her biggest mistake in all of this was moving the car because that was caught on surveillance. And then that just doesn't make things add up. If you've moved a car, why? And then she sat in the car for a number of minutes. I want to say it was like 30 minutes to an hour. She sat in there and she's probably sitting in there contemplating, okay, when I go back in here, what do I have to do? Mm -hmm. How am I going to get rid of her body? And, you know, she was athletic, but so was Jaina and Jaina was a little bit bigger than she was. So it's not like she could necessarily move her by herself without, you know, help. So she sat in the car and contemplated what's my next step. And then that's when she went back in and said, I'm just going to make it look like I too was assaulted and I'll lay here until somebody finds us. Jeez. A mess. So is that the story? Is that it? Is that already? That's that's the story. She, she ended up, she's, she's serving life in prison. So she was found guilty. She eventually, um, I mean, she pled because, come on, this evidence just doesn't, does not add up one bit and is serving life in prison. And, you know, that's what she deserves at the very least. It, it's just, it's so awful. Like two families totally destroyed, like, you know, the impact it also had on her family. Like they lost their daughter, you know, obviously the family that lost their daughter to murder, but then there is the other family who like, she could have done so much with her life too. Like there was so much ahead of her. Anytime something like this happens, there's always two families that are victims because most of the time the family's innocent in it. And her, her brothers and sisters were absolutely shocked when she started talking to police because eventually she confessed and, um, she she didn't come out and say exactly how it was done because she still was trying to make herself look good and say that, you know, well, I just wanted to talk to her at first, but then she got really angry with me. And then, so I got angry back and just, and then her story would change the next time. And it's just like, you're not making, none of your stories are making sense. You did this, just admit to it. So we can have some peace and justice for the victim's family. And then her, when she finally did her, her brothers and sisters, because they had been behind her until this point, because they were like, there's no way, there's no way she could have done this. 331, you know, stab wounds, essentially. There's no way. And, you know, they, they were wrong. And sometimes we just, we think we know someone and we don't really know them. Yeah, the human brain is a is a wild place. And obviously something just flipped in her, you know, a switch just flipped. And she probably was not herself during all of that. She probably that's probably part of the reason she was sitting out in that car for a while, because she was probably like, Oh shit balls. What did I just do? What did I just do? What am I gonna do? I've just ruined my life. Yeah. And that, and that's, 
that's commonly heard with murderers, you know, or during, during the attack. I don't remember what happened. I blacked out, which is absolutely no excuse for anyone, but it's interesting inside their mind. Like they're almost disassociating to the, to the point where they don't remember even one blow, which to me, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around that. I'm like, if I killed someone, I would definitely remember, I would think, but I don't know. That's commonly heard that, you know, I blacked out. I don't know what happened. I woke up and then they were dead. And and they make these, you know, decisions in the moment based on feelings is what that is, right? They're like having a certain specific feeling. And then there's just consequences that last the whole rest of their life on planet earth. Like they've got, she was so young. I mean, she had her life ahead of her as well. She just completely ruined her life, but sadly, you know, took the life of someone who was brilliant and just adventurous and just had her whole entire life ahead of her and was going to do big things. So, cause I really doubt that like she was a walking threat, you know, like had that not happened that night, I doubt she would have gone on to murder someone else, you know? I mean, who knows? Maybe she would have, because obviously there was some sort of very thin veil there that burst that night, but, but more than likely she probably would have gone the whole rest of her life without murdering somebody. And it's just right. Oh. She's not like, you know, the typical person that's hunting their prey and, and, and just, or even necessarily in a lifestyle that would put her in, you know, an advanced bracket to become a victim or to kill someone herself. So yeah, she exactly. was, she wasn't, you know, selling drugs or in a gang or anything like that. She was from a very good family and lived in a very nice area. And that's yeah. what makes this so shocking is yeah. that She's just an ordinary, seemingly really good student, a great athlete, and still this could happen. Yeah. She had a promising future ahead for herself, too. She's rotting away in a prison right now. She sure is. No more Lululemon for her. No. Mm-mm. she. You she know was- what she's getting? She's getting like that real scratchy orange jumpsuit. I don't even know. Is it cotton? Uh, it's, just, it's garbage, whatever it is. She's got to wear those stupid white flip-flops. She's nothing fashionable for her. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, she's got to hope there's some money in her commissary so she can maybe get some Doritos at the end of the week. Or some ramen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's trading ramen much. for cigarettes. <laughs> that is that is what she's doing because that's where she put herself. And I mean, she'll spend decades, decades and decades and decades just in that shitty experience. And she could be out doing rule in the world in another life, never got to do anything, didn't have a chance or a say about it. Nope. And, you know, and it, it just shows you, I always wonder too, you know, nature versus nurture with, you know, childhood and growing up and her, look at her siblings. They're all well, you know, successful, well-adjusted adults. And what in the heck happened to her? I just. And it, it's so unusual, too, that it, it's a woman. Like, you'll hear these crazy offshoot stories about men committing these very violent crimes. What? It's shocking. He came from such a good family. Da, da, da. And who knows? That's a whole other beast. Men, you know, doing stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly medi- mediocre white men who just, yeah. you know, have way too much confidence for their own good. That 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 happens, but like for it to be a woman, that is very unusual for such, for, for, like you said, who doesn't come from a bracket 
that would be in this sort of situation on a normal basis, right? Like she's, she's not surrounded by violence. She's not into drugs. She's not into sex work. Like just a woman with a promising future ahead of her to snap and to to commit such a violent crime. Like it's unreal, unfathomable. But that is the case of the Lululemon murder. Yeah. That's, that's, Ugh, it's real icky. Even 11 years later, it's just still as icky to think about. It really is. I just can't get over just, and you know me, I did go look look up the crime scene pictures, and I just can't get past the amount of times. Like, it was just overkill. Anytime, you know, usually anytime there's overkill, there's passion involved, or yeah. there's some kind of rage or emotion yeah. involved. And that's what it was in this case. But still, I just can't get over that the rage... It couldn't just have been about the Lululemon leggings, right? Like it couldn't have just been about that. It had to be about some kind of a buildup over mm-hmm. time because that is just such a overkill of wounds on one person. And I think, unfortunately, she just had something built up and took it completely all out on Jaina. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like you were saying, like those passion killings, that's a good way of describing it. Like that's where you normally see like such brutality Yes, out of the blue you know. Well, Misty, you did it. You you did it. You did a true crime podcast. I did. My very first true crime podcast. A true crime podcast on a comedy reselling podcast. (laughs) I love it. For our spooky season episode. Yeah. So this will, this will come out just a few days before Halloween. So yeah, you know, if if you're interested, you can definitely find more information on this case. There's tons of podcasts on on it as well. You can search and find that too. Oh, not that you need to. Misty did a real good breakdown of of explaining everything and all the characters. And I mean, think about those two men that they pulled in for questioning too. Like innocent people get accused and convicted of crimes all the time. Oh she gosh. could have destroyed those two guys' lives. That is my, that is something I think about also daily. I do too. You just have to be in the wrong place. Like, I'm like, I have to keep this receipt that I went through Starbucks because it has the timestamp that I was here in case I would ever be accused of a murder. I have proof that I was at Starbucks. I know. Because our, and our justice system is just so wrong in so many ways and it needs an overhaul in so many ways, but that is one of them that you know, you can, you just have to be in the wrong place at the wrong time to be accused of something and then have essentially have an investigator who keeps his eyes locked dead on you and not on any of the evidence or anything else. And you can be put away for it. Absolutely. And, and like we know, particularly if you're a person of color that, you know, that happens to them disproportionately. I mean, our, our, our personal experience with the legal system, um, my husband was accused of wrongdoing by a former business partner and he hit him with a a civil lawsuit and, you know, there was no chance of prison or anything, but it financially, I don't like to say destroyed us because we're still here (laughs) and, you know, we we still are able to provide um, for our children, but it, 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 it beat the ever living fuck out of us. And it Mm -hmm. just kept, and I just kept Uh, You know, I've always had like, just like you said, like I've had like this fear my whole life of going to jail for something I didn't do, being wrongly convicted. And as this, because it went on for three years and as this went on, I'm like, 
oh my God, that is what I'm living right now. Like I'm not going to prison, but like the, it, it really was financial and legal terrorism. And I just kept saying, I'm like, the, and I already know this as a person who's, who's very invested in true crime and have been my whole life. I already knew the legal system is not fair. It's, it's, it's not, it does not protect innocent people, but I, I witnessed it firsthand. It happened to us. I'm like, this does, the legal system does not protect innocent people. It absolutely doesn't. Like there, there was absolutely nothing that my husband did even close to all of the accusations. And his, his former partner was an addict. He, you know, I mean, he, his, he would come in in the morning. Well, I say in the morning, he wouldn't get in until like 11 or 12. And he was drinking Red Bull and vodkas at the start of meetings and showing up raged out on Coke and drunk at big, important meetings. Like this guy was a manic and he was an addict and his life had been kind of falling apart for years, which is how we kind of got into this situation because they started out fine, but this guy's life started unraveling personally and it just turned into addiction and then, which Mm -hmm. was collapsing. I mean, it is such a crazy, the whole story is insane, but just like my first town account and luckily like Jill was not on the table. Uh, It was, but, but we lost everything that we had financially. Like we will never, uh, financially recover because just trying to defend yourself is it's impossible. And then imagine if you are, you know, accused of a crime and you have no means to defend yourself and you have to use a public defender who there are good public defenders, but they're, but they're rare. So, and And, and they're, and they're inundated, right? Like they don't have the time or the resources to put into what they need to, to do to defend people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's that's an un that's an an unfair realistic part of our system yeah. that happens all the time and watching and you know listening and researching so much true crime it has it has really just opened my eyes to all of that like you really just have to be the wrong place at the wrong time and yeah. just have to be and then it's a matter of opinion with the investigator like if they like you and they believe you're innocent if not they can continue to push yeah. and yeah ultimately you have to you, you can go to a, a trial and but then even then i mean as unbiased as we want juries to be they're not yeah so yeah they're not they are not yeah no. It is an unfair, corrupt system. It's an expensive system. It's, yeah. It's there are so many systems in our country that need to be revamped and relooked at. But I don't know. Maybe we should just have a fire cell. Let's just burn this whole mother down. Let's just start over. Cause start over. It's not working out very well for us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just start over. Start from scratch. Today is day one. I'm not in charge. I would make horrible decisions. No. <laughs> You know, I am, I'm too anxious to be in charge of anything. I would, I would try to make too many people happy and then nobody would be happy. <laughs> you, know, you know what we need? We need a no nonsense woman. Let's get Michelle back. Michelle, <laughs> Barack, he can be there to like, just hang out and make funny, cute jokes in the background. But Michelle, I don't know. You're a real no nonsense down bitch. Let's, let's get her, let's put her in charge. I feel like she'll lead us in the right direction. <laughs> we need somebody in charge that will lead us in the right direction. <laughs> That's right. a whole other podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> we could go on and on on about this forever. Well, Missy, this was, I mean, I don't want to say fun. I don't know if that's the correct word to use because we were talking about the horrible loss of life um, on two ends. Um, but I was looking forward to this. And <laughs> 
it was me too. I was excited. It was so great to have you on. I'm so sorry, Lacey missed it. She's gonna she's gonna listen back on this when it comes out in two days, and she's gonna be real jealous she wasn't here. But we understand, Lacey, that you couldn't be yeah. here today. We're we're bummed you weren't able to enjoy this with us. Again, enjoy maybe not the right word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we know we get you. It was an experience that I liked. Not the murder, obviously, but just this part of it. I am constantly, and if there's any resellers like me, anytime I'm photographing, anytime I'm listing, I have true crime on. And I do have to take breaks. I'm not, you know, I I listen to your podcast. I listen to another reselling podcast because it's important to take breaks. Oh yeah. They are very important. I do too. I do too. I absolutely, what do you, what are you, um, what do you like to listen to? Oh gosh, I have so many. Um, I like the first degree with Jack Vanek and Alexis Linkletter. Um, I like Killer Queens, Morbid. Um, some of the some of the ones that aren't as known. I have um, Crime Salad. I'm not sure if that's as known. Um, yeah, and I don't actually, know that one. Um, Crime Junkie. Obviously, I've, that's. That's like a really good one. And then I also yeah. just have like a, the Dateline because I don't watch TV much. I just have the Dateline and I listen to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Voices for Justice is a good one. That is a podcast made by Sarah Turney, who is a, um, her sister is potentially a true crime victim also. And Oh, she, yes. I've heard of that. Yes. I've her, heard her of dad that is mm-hmm. actually, her dad is actually, I think guilty personal opinion. He's actually in jail right now or in prison right now, waiting a trial for the disappearance of her sister, Alyssa, many, many years ago, I think in the early 2000s. So she does a really good podcast. It's short. I like it. It's always on cases that haven't been heard a lot. And that's Mm -hmm. like, you know, people of color or, you know, especially like, and she does indigenous cases, which do not get enough coverage. So did you listen to um, Payne Lindsay's latest season of uh, um, what is the name of his episode? My Lacey and I call it all kinds of different ridiculous names. It's what is it? Really I have, but I, what is it called? I can't remember because he's with, done a few. Well, like the first one he started with. Oh my god, what is it called? This ridiculous because he. I mean, he's like true crime royalty. How can I not think of this? Payne Lindsay up and up and vanished. Up and vanished. Yes. Yeah. His whole last season, he all he did was like cover. Um, the the disappearance and murders of indigenous women. It was so good. Yes, he yeah. is, he's a really good documentary filmmaker. I mean, he's tells he's a very good storyteller yeah, as well. He's, but, he's super, I, and he will knock on people's doors and get answers. He gets dirty. He gets his hands yeah. dirty. He doesn't give a he, shit. He does. I, I this will shock everyone. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts that have a comedy spin. <laughs> I do too. Which you like too. Which you're like, how can that be funny? It's not the crimes that are funny. It's the co-host that riff off of each other. Yes. And it just kind of makes it go down a little bit easier. Like I love True Crime Obsessed. I like Obsessed with Disappeared. I also love Morbid. Um, Crime Junkie. I think Ashley does a really great job of um, covering cases that are way less. I mean, she does cover some of the bigger ones, but she does a great job of covering a lot of the cases that are way she does. lesser known. And then ones that do target people of color. She, she's very passionate about yes. like 
you know, the, the coverage needs, we're not saying that the, the white people coverage needs to go down. We're seeing they all need to be elevated, exactly. cover exactly. all of them the same. And I think she, you know, she does a really good job of trying to. She actually has a new, I'm not sure if you've heard it. It's called the deck no. where she does, um, she's by herself on this one and she does a case. It's a, it's again, a short case. Um, and the meaning behind this was kind of, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to explain it correctly, but it's based on a deck of cards. And so in local prisons, um, I, I want to say it was many years ago, but it could be, they could still be doing this, but on deck of cards, they would put cases like faces of unsolved cases mm-hmm. and hope that someone that was playing the cards in jail, because a lot of them have information mm-hmm. that they would have information to the case and be able, and they've actually solved oh. some cases that way. So oh, she does the deck and each, um, each victim has like, for an example, there's one that was done Wednesday, Brian Sullivan, and he's on the three of clubs and that was in New York. So Oh, wow. Okay. I'll check that one out. Cause I, I think she is a really good storyteller she as is. well. She's, she's well, well researched. She's super passionate. She, um, she personally donates to a lot of, um, uh, for DNA research, uh, not yes. research, but like to help like for the CODA system to get better mm-hmm. and to like help, help murders get solved through DNA. And she, you know, she, she, she puts her money where her mouth is and, and I like her. She's a real down bitch. Yeah, I do too. She's, she's awesome. Have you heard of, um, there's a new one that in, in these come from the obsessed network. So like those comedy ones, the comedy podcast, Rabia and Ellen solve the case. And it's, uh, Rabia Chowdhury, who was one of the, was very prominent in the Adnan Saeed case, like help, mm-hmm. you know, and crucial in getting him released from prison. So it's her. And then Ellen, who's one of the co-hosts for Obsessed with Disappeared. And they, so they, they covered, they're like, like the Scott Peterson, the Lacey and Scott Peterson case. Have you heard this, this stuff where a lot of people really think he is innocent? Yeah. There's so much controversy and he, I mean, in my opinion, that case, and this is just my personal opinion, don't come for me. I don't think he should have ever been convicted based on the evidence. I'm not saying he's innocent Dude. because there's a difference. There's a difference. You can be guilty, but you have to be found not guilty by reason, you know, that's reasonable what, doubt. That's what Rabia says. She was like, he should not be in prison. I, I agree. Based but, on the evidence. Misty, go listen to that one. It was their first episode. It's Rabia and Ellen solve the case and listen, like, and they break down, like, they're like, this is not new evidence that we're presenting today. This is evidence that got pushed aside because they had their eyes on him and they did not want to look at any other possibilities. It is. And that goes back to what I told you. If they get focused on a certain suspect, a lot of time investigators will not veer from that. And that's that's, unfortunate. You should, you should be open-minded and unbiased when you're in in law enforcement in general, but especially when you are investigating a murder case. And he, I'm not saying he's innocent. I, I don't know that I think he's innocent, but I don't think he should have been found guilty because there's lots of reasonable doubt. So yeah, there, there, and that goes back again to the jury being biased. I mean, and that, that happened also in the O.J. Simpson case. I mean, there's just so many cases where things could be, you know, he he essentially is free because of a biased jury. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Absolutely. In my opinion, don't come for me, guys. You can come for me. That that (laughs) motherfucker should have gone to jail for that (laughs) 25 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, he's, I mean, I just listen. I've re-listened to something recently about that. And I was just like, it just re-adds to everything I believe. I mean, he's just guilty, but. Oh, absolutely. When you have money, you can get, you can, if you have a lot of money, you can get off of murder. Yeah. Yeah. At that, I, when we were going through our stuff, like our legal stuff, and I was like, get the most, like, I have a friend who's a partner at a really um, big law firm in the DC area. I was like, talk to her, get someone from her law firm. Cause whoever, whoever has the biggest lawyer wins yep. and nobody won in these civil cases. Nobody wins. Cause you just, yeah. it just drags through the court system for so many years and you just lose every dollar you have to your name, just trying to fight. Well, and that even happens with, um, mur- with not just murder, but any kind of, mm-hmm. you know, crime case. I mean, yeah. it could just, for an example, in my area, we just recently had the shopping cart killer. I mean, he dumped two victims literally um, two miles from my house near the Lowe's. And his case keeps getting continued. And it, like, I want to go sit in on it. And I, and so May, it's supposed to be in May now. It was supposed to be, you know, over the summer. And then it got moved to September. And now it's continued again. And it's because attorneys can continue a case for anything. They can say, well, I need more time for this. And as long as the judge approves it, and then yeah. it's just like, you're dragging out not only money and time and the judici- judicial system, but also the victim's families are waiting. Yeah. They need closure. Yeah. yeah. And and not that that's going to bring their person back, but at least, at least they know, at least they know the person, well, hopefully the person responsible is, <laughs> you know, being the right person, right? Being held accountable for their crime. All right, we we got to go because we're just going to keep going on and on and on. All right, <laughs> guess what, everybody? There's going to be a new podcast starring <laughs> Lindsay and Misty. We're going to break down true crime, talk about why we think Scott Peterson shouldn't be in jail. No, we're not. We're yes. not. Go listen to Robbie and Ellen talk about that. They'll they'll those. those hey, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's all I need to do. Add another freaking podcast to my life. <laughs> We got we got too much inventory to get through, Misty. We got to get to work. We got to go I list. Know. We have to list. You ha- you uh, you probably have eighteen leases that need to be renewed for next month. <laughs> Honestly, I had a I had a call last night from a tenant about a, a smoke alarm, and I'm like, change the battery. I, come on, be a grown up. Help me out here. <laughs> I don't know how to change the battery. I said, oh gosh. <laughs> All right, lady. Well, this was fascinating. This was fun. This was great. I'm so glad we'll uh, probably do it again next Halloween. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, listener, for being here today. Thank you to Misty. And we miss you, Lacey. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. Huge announcement. Misty and I talked as soon as I turned off the record button. We're starting our own podcast. It's about murders or something. Murders and podcasting and nobody does that right like there's no like murder podcast out there yet so this is going to be we're going to it's very innovative it's first of its kind so spread the word we're very excited about this new project of ours it's it's going to be called murders or something 
that's not happening. That's not happening. Anyway, um, thank you so much, Misty, for coming on today. I loved talking with you. Um, I'm sorry you weren't here, Lacey. I know you were looking forward to this so much, but um, we will have you back on next week's episode, Lacey, I promise. Um, thank you, listener, for being here today. Yeah, you can definitely go look that case up if you want to like just go see their faces and look at them. Um, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real bummer. It's real. It's more than a bummer, obviously. It's unfortunate, unnecessary loss of two different lives. It's a real, real shit show. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and supporting a Halloween episode that has nothing to do with reselling. But, you know, we all know Lululemon, so it's reselling adjacent. Uh, that's it for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go edit this episode. I got to get this up in a day and a half. <laughs> real quick turnaround for this week. Y'all have a great spooky season. A great we're we're nearing the end of the spooky season, which is a bummer because everybody really enjoys it. Um, but yeah, Halloween is just a week away. So happy Halloween, happy spooky season, and uh, go get your influencer outfits on, guys. We're we're deep into fall season now. Wide brim hats, tiered dresses, knee high boots. You guys know the uniform. Let's let's all get in line. All right, I'll see you next week. Two sisters. Really, just one sister today, one podcast. Love you, mean it. Bye. Thrifter Sisters. Thrifter Sisters is written and recorded by me, Lindsay. And me, Lacey. Produced and edited by Hot Moms of Seville Productions. Music is written and performed by Mariana Bell. See you next week. Bye. Bye.